Blessed be his name. Hallelujah. Turn, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 13. Again, I'm, I guess I shouldn't be, but I am so impressed with the Holy Spirit. And again, Clark had no idea what I was speaking on, but one of the verses I'm speaking on is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. Only the Holy Spirit can orchestrate something like that. But anyway, let's start, uh, turning to Hebrews chapter 13, starting at verse 15. And um, let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing, uh, excuse me, it was 14, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourself to them, watch for, for they watch for your souls, as they must give account, listen to that, we must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. But that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we trust that we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. But I beseech you that rather to do this, that you may be restored to you sooner. Now the God of peace that brought again from among the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through or in the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Christ Jesus, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's back, back up to verse 15. I want to read it out of the Amplified this time. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God sacrifices of praise, which is the fruit of your lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. See, the fruit of our lips is not just, and giving praise to him is not just what we just got done doing. It's not just church language. Can I say it that way? I just did. It's not just church language. The fruit of our lips is our everyday language, or should be. If you're saying some things that you, that you wouldn't repeat in church, then why are you saying them? And I'm not just talking about cursing. I'm talking about negative things you say about others, say about yourself. Why are you saying them? Do they bring edification to the person you're talking about or talking to or talking to yourself? Is it a praise to the Lord or is it something else? What are the fruit of your lips? What is, well, I can't help, it just comes out of me, just part of my nature, then you need to deal with that nature. Definitely got need to deal with that nature. See, in the power of the tongue, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Blessing or cursing? What's your tongue doing? Well, Pastor, I just can't help myself. I get angry and can't help myself. That's a lie. That's what Satan would tell you. You've got to express yourself. You can express yourself without cutting someone else down. If you can't, 
do something that's edifying, don't say anything at all until you can say something edifying. There's countless young men and women are going through life that were cursed by their parents saying, you'll never amount to anything. And that became their epitaph. They conformed to what their parents said. Well, they didn't think I'd ever amount to anything, so I guess I never will. Well, but God. Blessed be his name. Ephesians 5.19 Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we thankful for all that comes our way? There's a deafening silence here. Well, am I supposed to be thankful for the bad things that come my way? Yes, because the bad things help you realize who, how good God is and how he brings you through them. If we had ever had a difficulty, we wouldn't know God could intervene in the difficulty. Well, that's why he says, in everything, give thanks. Hmm. Blessed Jesus. Verse 16 out of the New Living Translation. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. For these sacrifices that are that please God. These are the sacrifices that please God. Galatians 6 uh, 10 says, Therefore, as he who have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Do good to all. That means whether they deserve it or not, in your eyes. See, we're, we're often willing to do good to people that you, we like or want to, you know, get along with. But what about those that Aren't, you don't get along with. Do you do good with them or to them? Well, they just don't like me. Well, how are they going to change their minds if you don't show them that you're not what they think you are? And whether they ever, never change their mind, it's what God said to do. Well, I know I'm getting a little practical today, or maybe too practical, but that's the reality, and that's what the Word of God tells us. For example, turn to uh, Matthew 25. This is a sidelight of this, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come, shall appear... shall come in his glory and all with all his holy angels and he shall uh, sit upon his throne in glory and before him shall be gathered all the nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd or according as a shepherd divide a sheep his sheep from the goats and he shall set the sheep on his right hand but the goats on his left Right hand is significant in the fact that's the place of acceptance. Where did the Lord Jesus take his place? He's seating at the right hand of the Father. It's a place of authority and acceptance. Okay, let's continue. Uh, verse 34. And the king shall say unto them at his right hand, Come, blessed of my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hmm. 
Just remember that phrase, prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's had a plan since day one. A plan since let there be light. Hallelujah. Blessed be his name. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. It's from coming from one place to another. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee hunger and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? We saw thee, in, uh, thee a stranger and took you in, and naked and clothed thee. Or when saw we uh, thee sick and in prison and came to thee? And the king shall, say, shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you've done it unto the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Least, when you've done it to some of the least. He didn't say the, the most important ones. You know, do it for somebody that you think that they'll be able to do something in return to you. But do it to those who can't possibly ever pay you back. The least of these. Where are they? He calls them righteous. Come sit at your right hand. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 13. Blessed be his name. Verse 17 out of the Weiss translation. Keep constantly obeying your, your rulers and, const and constantly be submitted to them. For they themselves are constantly keeping watch over you, knowing that they are to give account that they may do this with joy and not with lamentation. This would be, uh, would, uh, be profitless to you. There's two other times in this chapter the author refers to uh, leadership. In verse uh, 7, it says, Remember the leaders who taught you the word of God, Think of all the good that has come through their lives and follow the example of their faith. Verse 24, give greetings to all the spiritual leaders and to all the saints, God's consecrated believers. And the Italian Christians send their greetings also. He said, those that have leadership over you, the rulers, not only the secular leaders, but the leaders in, in, the, in the house of God. Some of the, uh, well, I, let me back up a little bit. It says, give them honor because of the way they live before you and before me. See, that's one of the measures. It's not what is preached from the pulpit. It's what is lived in the pew or out in the street. Very frankly, just about anybody can look good for an hour up on the pulpit. But what do they live like the other 23 hours of the day? What does a life look like? Now, the Lord tells us, I mean, Paul tells us in Hebrews, they were kings and priests unto God. You're somebody's spiritual leader. Let me say that again, because I don't, some didn't, what? You are somebody's spiritual leader. You don't have to have the name of title pastor or elder or whatever, youth leader, to be part of spiritual leadership. You're a spiritual leader at your job, in your family. Wherever you are, you carry the Holy Spirit with you 
and that makes you an emissary of the, of the kingdom of God. How do you walk before them? Does your walk draw them to God or repel them from God? Jesus, help us. One of my constant prayers is that, Lord, don't let me ever do anything to defame your name. To bring shame to you, my God. Verse 18, back in Hebrews 13. Keep praying for us. We are convinced that we have uh, uh, that we have a good, clear conscience. That we want to walk uprightly and live a noble uh, life, acting honorably and completely honestly in all things. Are we? See, when we do things as unto the Lord, that's the way we do them with honor and dignity and righteousness. We're to do all things as unto the Lord. I remember in my time of secular work, I, I, it was just in, ingrained in me from my dad because my dad was a perfectionist. He did everything meticulously from when he built the church uh, the original church in, in Detroit and everything was done precisely and he had never even read a, pl a set of plans before never laid a block in his life and every joint in that building ever the joint between the blocks was perfect we never, I think there was one, no, that crack in the wall was when we added an addition. It wasn't in his original one. How did he do that? He did it as unto the Lord. And the Lord gave him the expertise that he didn't have. I don't know how many times when I was designing panels for the exterior buildings, I said, Lord, how do I do this one? How do I do this? And he'd show me how. How am I going to attach this? It's hanging out there uh, on nothing. What do I do to give it something to anchor? How do I do that? Because I was responsible for doing exactly that. So the reality is that on most of my jobs, the panels fit perfectly. Sometimes I had to rework them, but very, very seldom. I can remember being on a top of a 10-story building, hanging over the side, trying to figure out how this 120-degree angle, how I was going to fix this, build, this panel up there. And Glidell said, what did you, you do today? I, was, I said, oh, I was hanging over the edge of a 10-story building. She said, don't ever tell me that again. I was literally hanging over there trying to figure out how this, in, into space, trying to figure out where, this, where the angle would be, and what my dimensions would be. Blessed be his name. And by the way, it fit. All of them fit, because it was a whole, t the corner went up from the first floor to the 10th floor, and every panel had to be exactly alike. Anyway. Let's continue here. Verse 20, out of the Weiss translation. 
Now the God of peace, the Amplified says, and I like this, who is the author and giver of peace. We have the God of peace within us. We don't have to go search for him. He, take, he took up residence in the form of Jesus Christ as the king of peace or the God of peace. It's only when we allow our emotions to overrule the king of peace within us that we, have, we don't have peace. When our situation becomes bigger than our God is when we lose our peace. Well, bless you, Lord, who is the author and giver of peace, the one who brought up out of, uh, from among the dead the shepherd of the sheep, the great one, in, and that is, in fact, E-N in the, in the Greek, which means at rest in, I love this, at rest in the blood of eternal testament or covenant, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one, the one who has given us peace and has given us rest is because that we're at rest in the covenant blood of Jesus Christ. Can you understand what I'm saying? We're resting in the provisions of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're in it. We're resting in it. We're at home in it. We don't need to stray from it. We're in it. Blessed be his holy name. We have his word on it. Bless you, Jesus. That the blood of the eternal covenant of our Lord Jesus equip you to render you fit or sound, and then listen to the rest of this, to mend what has been broken or rent. We come to him broken and rent, and he fixes us. Can anybody shout or anything and say amen to that? He, did he fix you? I didn't hear you. Did he fix you? Some of you aren't quite convinced. Hallelujah. Take my word on it. He fixed you. You are not who you used to be. How many can at least say that? I'm not who I used to be. Blessed Jesus. Let's continue here, please. To render fit or sound, to mend what has been broken or rent, he equipped, equipped you in every good thing to do his will. That's why he fixed you, that you might do his will. He didn't fix you. Please don't read into this. He didn't fix you just to put you on a shelf someplace that says, that one's fixed. He fixed you that you might do his will. Hallelujah. He, had, he fixed you with a purpose. You have a purpose in him. Are you attaining or going toward that purpose? Blessed Jesus. He equipped you in every good thing to do his will. Doing that uh, in you which is well pleasing in, the sight, in his sight through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He didn't do just a quick fix. He did an eternal fix. Can you understand what I'm saying? He fixed you so that you could walk in that eternally, not just a couple weeks. See, the problem is, again, too often we are fixed upon who we were. And Satan loves to remind you of who you were. That's why they call him the accuser of the brethren. By the way, you have to be a brethren before he accuses you. Hint, 
He doesn't accuse those that aren't brethren. He's already got them. He's already got them thinking they're worthless and no good. He only attacks the ones that has been a, there's been an in, uh, incalculable price paid for them. They had been bought by the price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He went to the marketplace of sin and purchased you, the slave market of sin, and said, I'll take that one. Thank you, holy God. I'm glad he said, I'll take Chuck. Put your name there. Thank you, holy God. And he's equipped us, he's fixed us, so that we can do what is pleasing in his sight. We can do that which is profitable to the kingdom of God. And Lord, uh, caused me to go back to verse 8 in Hebrews 13. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Our yesterday. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Think about what he's saying there. If you know the history of the children of Israel, they were like yo-yo Christians. They were up and down, up and down, sideways, whatever the case may be. They were faithful for a while, and then they get the big head and start worshiping other gods or whatever the case may be. They became, okay, what has God done for me lately? And then they stray. The book of Judges is full of that. They, while they had a judge, they did what was righteous. The judge died, and they would go right back to worshiping Baal and whoever else, whatever other sensual god they would, of their neighbors. But God had made a promise to Abraham. I will bring a seed up from you. There will be an everlasting seed. I will be faithful to them. They'll be as the stars of heaven and the sands of the sea. But I, but I will not ever turn my back on them. Even though they turn their back on me. That's why it says, Jake, Jacob... That's why you're not consumed, because I made a covenant with Abraham. And I keep covenant, even though you don't. My word stands. It does not change. The Lord is, God is not a man that he should lie, or the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it, shall he not do it. Whatever he says, he does. Whatever he's promised you, hang on to it. I don't care what circumstance looks like. I don't know, care what uh, havoc is going on around you. He has promised you peace. He has promised you your family. He has promised you whatever he has promised you. Hang on to what he has promised. It's his word, and you can stand on it. Because he always keeps his word. He has sworn to keep his word. Have I not said it? Shall I not do it? Revelation 1.8. We're talking about yesterday. What he's done in the past. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and is to come, the Almighty. I, start, I started contemplating this, and I said, oh, my God. Let me break it down this way. When he was in the past, I'm the Almighty in the past. I'm the Almighty in the present. And I'm the Almighty in what's before you. He just dropped this in my, my heart this morning. He says, I'm already in your future. 
I'm there, and all things are well. I'm already preceding you into your future. Just as I have been there in the past, that I'm, I'm the Almighty in the present, I'm the Almighty in the future that you have no idea about. But I too. Because I'm already blazing the trails for you. Can anybody say amen to this? Hallelujah. He's got our yesterdays. Romans 5, 8. But, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we had no clue, had no interest, had nothing to do with him, he died for us. I say it simply, we, when we had more impetus to spru uh, sprout horns than wings, he died for us. In all of our degradation, all of our s sinfulness, he still died for us. We had no clue about it, but he knew. He already knew ahead of time that there was going to be an opportunity for us to realize that he died for us and that his blood was sufficient for us. Blessed Jesus. Turn to First uh, Corinthians 15, if you would, please. Starting at verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 50. So it is written, the first man was made, came into being, uh, came into existence or being a living soul. That's the word suke. When we are without God, we are ruled and reigned by the soul. Our will, uh, mind and emotions. The soul realm rules and reigns within us. It's about how we feel about things. How we respond to things are through emotions. Let me break this to you. Emotions are stronger than reason resolved. When you're thinking, emotions will trump your thinking any time and every time. Let me just say it this way. Has there ever been a time when you have said something and after the emotions settled down and said, why did I say that? Or I shouldn't have said that. What happened? Suke was in charge. The soul was in charge. Bless you, Jesus. Let's continue. The first man, Adam, came into being or came into existing as a living soul, controlled and uh, dominated by his soulless nature. The last Adam, which is Christ, was made, actually, was made as an italics, cause it, so it's not in the original, and it's really um, the la last Adam, Christ, is, and that is the word, uh, asum means uh, showing motion, or uh, is a quickening spirit. It's into he was always into, he was always a quickening spirit, a life-giving spirit. And the word is pneuma, which is what uh, one of the compound words of Holy Spirit. 
Adam was a living soul, but Christ is a life-giving spirit. Can I say it this way? The first Adam was full of death-giving soul. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, is filled of life-giving spirit. I've put before you this day a choice of life and death. Choose life. First Peter tells us that we are born of incorruptible seed. Yet the word quickening is really, its root word is the, the germinating of a seed. And so Peter tells us we're born of incorruptible seed. When we become born again, there's an incorruptible seed put within us. It's called the Christ. We're baptized into Christ. The old man is buried and dead, but we're raised in newness of life, into quickening life. And I love the, that fact that born of incorruptible seed, a seed always bears after its own kind. So what kind of fruit can an incorruptible seed bear? Incorruptible fruit. That which will not perish cannot be tainted. Oh man, you're without excuse. Verse 46. Albeit that it was not first which was spiritual or part of, the, uh, part of man which is akin to God and serves as his instrument. See, when we were in our sinful life, our spirit existed, but basically it was dead because that's what uh, relates to God. It's our spirit. Our soul gets excited, but what really is in tune with God and is akin to God is our spirit. God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. That's the only, in all reality, that's the only worship God accepts. We can get all brought up and get all excited and jump and shout and so forth, but if it's just emotion, it's not acceptable. If we're excited because the Spirit of God is leaping within us, then it's acceptable. There is a difference. Well, thank you, Lord. I'll be at the first, which was spiritual, but, the, the, uh, but it was natural. It was not spiritual, it was natural, soulish. And afterwards, that which was spiritual. Verse uh, 46. I'll be that was not, uh, oh, excuse me, uh, 47. The first man uh, of the, was of the earth, earthy, or from the earth, from the origin of the earth, earthy, the second man is the Lord from the origin of heaven. And as the earthy, such are they which are, of the, are earthy. And as the heavenly, such are they that are, are the heavenly. Verse 49. As we have borne the image, the icon, the exact representation. Hallelujah. Be born the image and the likeness of God, of, 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 excuse me, of the, of the earth, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We were born in the image of the earth. I met my uh, cousin on my, on my mom's side. He's 
closest, and I'm, I'm the youngest of all the grandchildren. And so Tom is from February to April older than I am. And I walk through the door into the restaurant. He was standing there looking at me and he says, Grandpa Clark. I go, hmm. The only thing I really remember about Grandpa Clark besides him being huge was his ears were about this long. <laughs> so I didn't really take that as a compliment. <laughs> but then I got home and I looked at it and said, well, maybe so. Because <laughs> I could remember what Grandpa Clark looked like. And so, guess what? I bore his image in the natural. But hear me, please. My real heart is to bear the image of my heavenly Father. Be conformed to his image. My Grandpa Clark was a great, huge man, but very strong in faith. I love the heritage from him, and as gentle as he could be. He could crush your head like a walnut. But he was gentle man. His hands were like this. Huge. Wore a size 17 shoe. This was not a midget. He was six foot seven. Weighed about 350 pounds. So when he talked, I listened. I was, yes, sir. Again, one of my favorite memories is he and I were walking down the road about a mile to Claude Gillum's store. And I was six years old, and he had my hand in his hand. And I was walking down the road. And in this hand that could crush it was the gentleness just to lead me down. Anybody hearing anything? That's how our Heavenly Father is. He has the ability to crush who we are and who we're, what our dreams are, but he holds us gently. He says, this is the way. Walk in it. I'd like to thank the Lord for the natural heritage I have. But I thank him more for the spiritual heritage I got from him, my grandma Sexton, all my heritage, loved and adhered to the Lord. It set something in my life. It set a compass in my life. Can you hear what I'm saying? Blessed be his name. Verse 15 says, this and this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. As long as we're, too many times, we want God to bless our ideas and bless our nature, because we're comfortable with our nature. But our nature by birth, is corruptible. And God cannot clothe it with incorruption, clothe it with immortality. He will not clothe it with immortality. That was, is corrupt. That's why he has to clothe us with incorruption, that which cannot be tainted by sin. And it's not done by our will. It's done by his Holy Spirit. He's the enabling spirit. Blessed be his name. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Only thing that can inherit the kingdom of God is the spirit. The Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. That's what's eternal. That's what's acceptable in the kingdom of God. That's our yesterday. 
today. James 1, 15, uh, 17 and 18, out of the Phillips. But every good endowment, every good gift from the Lord, and every complete gift, a bountiful or uh, benefaction, must come from above. All that we have, everything we, every good thing we have, comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Comes from our, from God, our, from above. All our. I was looking at the, the worship teams and the, the, the young, people on there, and, the, not so young, but. I bless God for to be before getting up there and playing the guitar and so forth. God gave him that talent. Ezra, he gave Ezra the talent for, for the violin. If I'm not mistaken, he didn't start playing the violin until they came up here. I said, oh my God. He's in, now he's in a youth symphony. And I can't even play chopsticks. Something skipped me. <laughs> anyway, but all our talents, our abilities are to be sanctified and set apart to God. Blessed be his name. Every good gift comes from him. Every good... Endowment and every good and complete gift must come from above, from Father of lights, in whom there's never the slightest variation or shadow of inconsistency. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He does not change. Can you believe, can you hear this? Can you lay hold of that? God, when you have known God in your greatest height of, of Him speaking to your life or spiritual high, He's still the same God. Can you understand that? He doesn't change. His purpose is always the same. Whatever He's purpose for you, that's what He's working in and toward. And just waiting for us to say, yes, Lord. Say, we're the key. He has great purposes for us, but we have to submit to the purpose. With our great wisdom, we try to get around that. Well, I'll take that talent and use it and go out and do whatever. The ability that God has given us. I'll use it in the secular world. You can do that, but it better be dedicated to God first. Well, verse 18. By his own wishes, he made us his own sons through the word of truth that we might speak, uh, so to speak, be the first specimens or the first fruits of his new creation. The very nature of Jesus Christ is to be worked within our lives so we become the first fruit, the first... See, in the agricultural realm, the, the fruit that comes on and is, matures the first is the one that is most costly. You get the biggest price for first fruit, whatever it be, it be peaches, strawberries, whatever the case, the ones that come ripe first demand the first price, the highest price. They're the best. Now what the farmers would like to do is take and get the first fruit, get the seeds of the first fruit and save that for next year to replant that. But the Lord said, when you have a harvest, Bring the first fruits, a portion of the first fruits to me. Bring the best you have to me and let me bless it. Give it unto me and I'll bless you for that. 
Don't hold back what is the best thing you have in your life. Let's continue here. Philippians 8. Again, out of the Weiss translation. 4.8, excuse me. Finally, brother, what sort of things have good character and truth? What sort of things are worthy of reverence? What sort of things are righteous? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are attractive? What's, whatever excellence there is or fit object of praise, these things make the subject uh, uh, habitually, uh, your habitual practice, or excuse me, uh, the subject of careful reflection. These things also uh, which you learn and receive and heard and saw in me, these things habitually practice and uh, God of peace shall be with you. That's our present. That's today. What is God working in and through us today? What are those things in our lives that are admirable for people that so people would want to emulate that? Are there things in our life, honesty or hardworking or whatever the case? Well, that's just who I am. Well, who do you think made you that way? All that you had came from above. One of the things I always knew was my engineering ability came from above. Okay? My ability to picture things from two dimension, or from one dimension on a plan, plan to three dimension came from the Lord. There's nothing I tried to work up. I just, he just gave me that gift. Okay? Please hear me. All that he's given you is for, he should be and needs to be sanctified under the kingdom of God. Whether it's organizational ability, throw it out ability, whatever the case may be, Give thanks and give glory to the Lord that he has gifted me this way. For he is the giver of all gifts. Well, I got that from my dad. Oh, I got this from my dad. Well, let me put it this way. Who do you think picked that egg and that sperm and put them together? There were hundreds and thousands of different sperms, but he said this one and that one. And he knew you before you were you and ordained you. My God. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off denoting separation from, or put, uh, or from putting what is put off. Put off what? The old man which, and its deeds. And you have, and have put, off, put on in duo that is to clothe yourself with the new man which is renewed in the knowledge of full knowledge according to the, again, the word icon, the image of him who created thee. We start off, our, our yesterday was started off with an image of Adam. God interjected himself. In our great wisdom, we said, yes, Lord. And then from that point on, Adam's reign was done, if we will let it be. We have a choice then. Shall Adam reign or shall Christ reign? It's our choice. 
And we have that choice every day. Are we going to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we going to conform to the God of this world? That's our choice. Are we going to continue to do what we see the world do? Or are we going to stand for what is righteous? Our forever... Revelation 3.21 He who overcomes or is victorious will be granted to sit beside me on my throne as I overcame or was victorious and sat down beside my father in his throne. Where do we start with? That there is if we walk in his presence, his purpose and his desire will be overcomers and will he said if we overcome, if we continue to walk in your presence, you will sit with me. And Matthew said, you did all these things, and so that you righteous ones, now you can sit with me at my right hand. God's got a plan for us. Remember I said at the, at the beginning, the Almighty was in your past, who it was, he's in your who is, the Almighty is there, and also the Almighty is, and who is to come. That just amazes me that, that God is, maybe I get easily amazed, but God is in the whole span of our life. And he was always the Almighty. I love that. Whether we recognize it or not, he was always the Almighty. We moan and groan about things in the past, but he was there. And if you look at it with spiritual eyes, you'll see the fact that he was there. Anybody ever done that? And he is. And he so much wants to be the is of your life, the Almighty of your life this day. God help us to surrender that which we think we want to the one who is who we want. See, our soulish wants one thing. The Christ within us wants something totally different. We want the Almighty. Just think of what that name means, the Almighty one that is bigger and greater than anything you're in the midst or ever will be in the midst. I am the Almighty. Blessed be his holy name. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. I will never leave you or forsake you. The one you felt, maybe back in the eons of time, and some of you once not so far back, but remember when you first fell in love with Jesus Christ? How much you couldn't get enough of him. Couldn't, you know, wanted to find out everything you could about him. Let me break something to you. He's still the same today. And he'll be the same tomorrow and forever. That first sweetheart love we had with the Lord Jesus Christ, he desires that you continue to love him with all of your heart. When we were first saved, we loved him with all of our heart. We couldn't think, said, oh God, you took away my sin. I, the burden of sin is off me. I can't thank you enough. Has he not done things like that all the rest of your life? changing us from glory to glory into the very image of his dear son. That's his purpose. That's our yesterday, today, forever. Let's stand, please.
Father, we thank you for your greatness and your purposing. We thank you, my God, that you are, have been and always are there. You're always the Almighty. You're always present. You're always present in a time of trouble. You're always present in a time of exaltation. You're always present, my God, when we have nowhere to go. Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us or forsake us. And Lord, we thank you that you have an end purpose, you have a forever for us. And your forever for us is to sit with you in your throne in the kingdom of God. High and lifted up, my God. So we thank you, my Lord. Seal this word to our heart, my God. Come, O Holy Spirit, and convict and convince in our areas of our lives, my God, where we have not allowed you to become Lord and, for, and Almighty in those areas. And Lord, forgive us. And Lord, give us the courage to release those things unto you. Forsake those things, my God, and turn away from them. And we thank you for all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Lord bless you. See you Wednesday night or next Saturday at 1030.